Get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020, and joining me for another week that was for the Parramatta Reels and the NRL are my good mates, 60s and Clint. 60s wasn't so long ago that we just recorded another podcast. How you been in the meantime, mate? Melting. <laughs> it is Melting pretty warm. Is it's getting it is, worse tomorrow it too. It is very warm out here in the Golden West, but yes, it suddenly seems like a very short number of hours ago that we were up at Kellyville recording our podcast with Mark O'Neill. Uh, we'll talk about that momentarily. But, yeah, doing doing good. Looking forward to a uh, couple of weeks off maybe from uh, the footy with the uh, Christmas break coming up where the players get a, a bit of time away, uh, get a bit of a chance to unwind with family and friends and what have you before they're back into their work early January. So, um, yeah, hoping everyone else out there is going well as well. Clint, how you doing, mate? Uh, well, ditto on the melting, uh, gents. I've probably been uh, averaging a packet of Zuper Dupers. Well, I don't want to say a packet, I mean a full <laughs> packet. Once every, uh, one every 48 to 72 hours over the last week or so. So that's about where I'm at. <laughs> that sounds about right. Hard to stay fresh with this heat and humidity. Um, and with Christmas around the corner, boys, uh, it's you know a good time to get some presents. And my uh, young nephew's just picked up golf, funnily enough. So he's coming up in the new year, which means I know where I'm taking him. And that's a uh, big swing golf North America, nice. of course. Um, yeah, he's actually you know he's really keen to play some golf when he comes up here. So we're going to be excited to get him out there and maybe get him a few clubs. So yeah, thanks to Big Swing Golf, who are partners of the show and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn Rowan and Parramatta, fantastic sponsors for the tip sheet, helping us get each and every episode out. And with that done, boys, let's get right into it. Well, fellas, let's start off having a bit of a chat about our conversation with Mark O'Neill yesterday. If you haven't had a listen to the podcast as yet, please do so. Mark's very kind with his time. He makes sure that he gives us a a bit of a season review and a a look ahead at what's happening across all the grades and the NRL and NRLW around December every year. So we're really grateful for that. Uh, was uh, we, Look, we tried to cover as many areas as, as we could in a chat that went for about three quarters of an hour. I'm sure there's always those people out there that expect us to be 60 minutes and put the... Well, put the, you've, uh, you've got the namesake, mate. Come on. How can you call yourself 60s if you're not going to be a hard-hitting investigative journalist? Come on, mate. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, but, look, we uh, we asked Mark about the 2023 season... The roster, I put it to him, uh, my opinion that we were a bit lacking in the uh, depth in the back line. Um, we had a chat about how the players are going in the preseason, uh, what's happened with the, the new recruits, their introduction to the Eels, um, the 
how they feel about joining the club, the, the difference that they've already found already, uh, the Young Pathways players coming through. We had a chat about uh, the coaching staff uh, that have in place for the uh, lower grades and also the uh, junior reps and um, talking about Steve Georgialis joining the club, NRLW, potential recruitment for NRLW. It was There was quite a lot that we needed to cover. So, yeah, uh, mate, I don't know about you, but I, I really enjoyed uh, being able to sit down and cover all those areas with Mark yesterday. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I know that there were some people that were not content with some of the questions, but I thought it was pretty frank with what you sort of uh, probed them with about the depth in the outside backs and how 2023 played out. And, you know, he, he, like I said, he was frank and said we weren't good enough. And I think that really is the baseline. The Eels weren't good enough. And it's going to be the challenge now to, you know, aim up in season 2024 and get back to the standards that they've been able to deliver uh, from 2019 through to season 2022, where they've been contenders or grand finalists, you know, in those seasons. So, yeah, very thankful to Mark for the time. You know, the Eels are very busy in the run to Christmas. Uh, there's a lot happening as they wrap up for you know, their administrative leave across the holidays. And he managed to squeeze us in, which was much appreciated. And, mate, I wanted to ask you a question. What did you think about the vibe in the Eels uh, admin HQ? Yeah, it was buzz- it was buzzing, wasn't it? You know, it was uh, a lot of people there, which is good to see. A lot of people busy still. Um, we saw some uh, media stuff happening, some stuff of apparel and uh, some really cool uh, cataloging of the, the club's history. So they've been very busy in that regard. And, yeah, the, the vibe between staff members was great. Um, just, you know, uh, new face in Steve Georgialis has been made the feel at home. Uh, Nathan Brown, we talk about vibe. Nathan Brown is a vibe, isn't he? And it's going to be a real shame to lose him. Uh, but he's a, a wonderful character and you can see that he's very popular at the club. Uh, and, yeah, just the club looks like it's in a really healthy space, uh, at least off the field in that regard. And I, you'd imagine on the field the players are going to be pretty fired up as well. Yeah, well, look, it was I, – I thought, as you said, the um, – just the positivity around the place, the how, how, how busy everyone was. But there was also – you know, there was a, a – there was a lot of there was a few laughs there. The the people just seem to be uh, enjoying being in the workplace there yesterday, and and I think when you see a happy um, administration area like that, I, I think it it says says something about you know the position that the club's in. You know, just that you know getting that, and I know it comes down still to actually getting certain things done that administration needs to but it was it was just good to see such a not not just a happy but a busy very busy uh administration area there yesterday so our thanks to the eels for uh, in you know having us up there at kellyville to uh, accommodate us to uh, record the podcast there mark for his time um steve george Arles, who um came in, had a bit of a chat with us, uh, Nathan Brown, a, a quick little chat, and all the other staff that we managed to catch up with there uh, yesterday, Jordan Rankin. And look, it was it was a look a really enjoyable trip up to Eels HQ. And as I said, please make sure that you do have a listen to the podcast and, you know, I guess take whatever you want out of our, out of our chat there. And I think, like you said, when we asked about this season, and there wasn't this last season, there were no excuses offered. Uh, nothing about, you know, trying to th- throw in the draw or um, things like that. It was just, 
look, we weren't. The bottom line is we weren't good enough, and we have to be better. So, I don't think you could ask for more. Indeed. Okay, fellas. Um, pretty big news on the partnerships front with the Eels. Um, first of all, partnering with Parramatta Council, John. Yeah, it's a. I wouldn't say it's a landmark deal, given that we have the Northern Territory Agreement, which I suppose is very similar, but. It's right in that vein, isn't it? With a, a pretty comprehensive deal to go alongside the Parramatta Council, Parramatta City Council, and uh, you know, sort of build up that Parramatta brand for both the football club and the actual district. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's quite a lot of councils that are in uh, the Eels um, catchment area, and of course, two of the really big ones are Parramatta Council and the Hills Council. Now, the Hills are involved heavily with the Eels, with the HQ being up in the Hills Shire district. Um, and then, of course, the Eels themselves, when it comes to playing, they're called the Parramatta Eels. They play at Parramatta. They play at Combank Stadium in Parramatta. They're synonymous with the city of Parramatta. So we've got a partnership that plays into that. What's your thoughts on it, Clint? Look, it's it's a very natural fit, and the fact of the matter is, you know, um, Parramatta as the epicenter of Western Sydney is is really booming. You know, if you haven't walked around the the city centre of Parramatta at the moment, there's there's almost a, a high rise going up there every month. Um, there's there's plenty of cranes in the ground. You know, we we touched on the light rail in previous weeks, which is due to open in May 2024. Um, we got confirmation during um, the course of the last week that. Um, as we all expected, Metro West was going ahead because construction hadn't stopped. Um, you know, it's, th- th- there's a real buzz around the Parramatta City Centre, and obviously the council um, wants to leverage one of its best assets and its and its, its um, primary sporting team in the Eels. And and uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a good opportunity um, for uh, you know a, a mutually beneficial relationship there. It's it's, it's a very natural fit and. Obviously, with um, with Parramatta um, City um, growing and, and 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 set to to boom across the next decade, why would you not um, leverage your best asset and your best sporting team in the Eels? It it is a deal that will draw some degree of controversy. Um, people are always critical of how councils and governments spend their money, and uh, there will be a, a, a section arguing that you know a sports franchise should not be receiving funding from the council, but. It is important to distinguish where some of this money is going to go or where a significant portion of this money will go, which includes local women's sports scholarships, play clinics, holiday camps, and community events built around the Parramatta Eels game day. So it is stuff that will go into the community. It's not just lying in the Parramatta Eels pockets here. No, and and I think that's important. And and as you say, in, in a sense, there's a similarity with partnering with the Northern Territory Government, which mm-hmm. is really just um, the, the major part of that is is playing an NRL match there each year and then having community events around that one match. Well, the Parramatta City Council has an Eels team that is playing every other home match in the city of Parramatta and you know having having scholarships based around the partnership, having things like you know match day activations, uh, it, look, it's it should be something that's beneficial to uh, both partners there. There's also just been announced the partnership with uh, the TAB. Now, that in itself usually gets a, a little bit of a reaction for uh, people that aren't fond of 
um, sports teams or even, um, you know, actual leagues being associated with gambling. But I think, fellas, it's fair to say that you're not ever going to separate uh, professional sport from um, uh, gambling uh, options. the, The gambling money is become intrinsic, not just the rugby league, but to in Australia sports in general. It, it is a huge part of what makes the, the codes so profitable. And, you know, unfortunately it's now part and parcel. Oh, I say unfortunately. Some people obviously wouldn't see it as unfortunate, but uh, it is now part and parcel of, yeah, rugby league and other professional sports. So gambling sponsorship, um, I mean, it's, it's something that I know in terms of the government they have talked about potentially, you know, changing the rules about this, Oh, what we saw with uh, alcohol and cigarettes, right? Uh, but it is such a powerful part of the game, you know. So, yeah, I mean, the club's doing the right thing by the club and and partnering up with the TAB here, and um, yeah, makes sense. And and look, it's we should also mention that we're talking about something that's worldwide in terms of the gambling dollar linking with professional sports. So it's not like this is. Uh, something that is unique to Australia. It's, I mean, what are we talking about with the NRL taking the game to Las Vegas? Mm. I mean, you know, yeah. they're looking, they're looking it's at the, the game. capital it's, of the world. It's not yeah. so much, it's not so much reading between the lines as so much as having it blast in your face there with Vegas, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I, look, I think, I think it's, um, you know, probably a good fit for the, for the club to be, um, partnering with, uh, just like other other uh, clubs might have their stadium sponsored by um, a, a betting agency or organisation, um, other clubs having some level of sponsorship with uh, different organisations. So, you know, it's uh, this is now the Parramatta Eels' first venture into partnering with an, uh, a gambling organisation and. Uh, they just happen to have partnered with the biggest one in the uh, TAB. So, um, yeah, look, the council, the TAB, I, I, I don't know. There's going to be too much room left on the Eels gear now to carry sponsorship logos. Well, it's like they're doing deals outside of the, the uh, paraphernalia, isn't it? Yeah, mm. ab- absolutely. And, uh, look, full marks to our commercial team. I'm sure Andrew McHale's doing a, a, a great job there with the Eels, with uh, a lot of this. So, uh, yeah, full marks to Parramatta there. Now, moving towards a little bit of um, of football. Clint, we've got the junior rep trials this weekend down at Camden for trials. We've got um, happening in... uh, We've got a bit of a... They're sort of like double-header arrangements. But, yeah, four trials down there at Camden. Yeah, and um, we, we were chatting pre-show about uh, the biggest concern with those games is that uh, it's set to be another scorcher on Saturday. We've got 36 uh, out here in the hills where you and I are, Sixties. Uh, Camden gets a, a, a wee bit hotter than that, and certainly in um, the warmest part of the day, you know, um, at this stage, we, you know, uh, trials are scheduled and, and ready to go ahead. And you know, it would be the first get out for um, some of our, our youngsters against the Canberra Raiders, meeting at a, uh, a quote-unquote midpoint between um, the nation's capital and Parramatta at Camden. But, you know, there's probably questions, boys, whether this game goes, uh, any of these games go ahead. 
Yeah, you'd have to wonder about that. Um, look, no doubt there'll be all care taken with drinks breaks and, um, you know, getting the players into the shade when they're having breaks, that sort of thing. Um, but it's they've got to finalise the squads. Uh, the By early January, they'll be looking to trim the numbers down by about 10 or 12 from squads that are up near 40. So um, it's it's all... I mean, this is their regular uh, trial period. So they normally get um, one trial in before Christmas and then another couple of trials in uh, in January uh, and then ready to start the junior rep season in February. And look, that's the, the nature of the beast is that the junior rep season primarily takes place in a very warm part of the year. It takes place in uh, primarily uh, February and March. Mm-hmm. And then you, you get the, uh, the finals sort of like April into the start of May. But that February, March period is a very hot time. And uh, the, the players are playing, um, you know, late morning into early afternoon across a lot of those uh, fixtures. So, uh, there's, I guess there's no escaping the heat for them. Um, now, just moving on, uh, training, fellas. It's been uh, a couple of uh, big sessions this week, warm conditions. Uh, did though, For those people who uh, read Monday's report, they would have noted that I said the um, our captain, uh, Gutho, he, was, he said he'd be back running before Christmas. And he was actually doing a little bit of running on Monday. Uh, they'll ease him in. It wasn't too much running. Um, I guess he's on schedule. If he said he was going to be running before Christmas and he's running before Christmas, then he's he's pretty much on schedule. I think they wrap up around the middle of next week with all of their training. Uh, there's uh, it, it was a big week last week um, started off with uh, they started the very first part of their contact opposed work they they did a bit of contact opposed work today really fast paced session today I will be writing up a report on it so I'm not going to talk too much about it now but needless to say as I said very fast paced and um, quite an impressive session to watch so uh, that's the update there. Uh, finally, I guess we maybe should have thrown this in with the talking about the sponsorships. But, uh, John, we had the Thunder and the Eels coming together for a membership deal. Yeah, it's a, a sort of partnership of uh, a lot of common sense, I'd say. You know, they're non-competing uh, codes. It's not like it's AFL and Rugby League or Rugby Union and Rugby League partnering up here. Cricket and, and Rugby League sort of work really nicely. One's a summer sport, one's a winter sport. And, you know, being two of the high-profile Sydney franchises or Western Sydney franchises, yeah, it's good to see the club sort of uh, exploring different avenues to connect to a wider fan base. So well done on both sides there. Hopefully it works out well for both the Funder and the Eels. Um, but, yeah, we saw Quentin Gufferson and Jason Sanger parting up for the uh, the promo there. And it was really good to see. Yeah, and uh, just before we move into our intermission break, uh, there's been a little bit, um, a few questions asked uh, to me about the Eels open training session. You know, why why isn't there one up uh, one at Kellyville? 
uh, this year before Christmas that they normally try to get in uh, a one where the kids are on holidays and uh, they get an open trading session. If you've seen the Kellyville, it is a construction site mm-hmm. at the moment. They It just would not be a venue that could um, deal with having, uh, you know, potentially sure. a, a couple ha- of thousand fans Having there. spectators on the field with the actual players themselves pretty much at the moment. Yeah, that's it. So, um, yeah, it's just not conducive to having a viewing area of, uh, of, of training, let alone the parking situation, because with the construction going on, pretty much half of the car parks disappeared with um, the uh, fencing that's there for the construction. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but uh, I know there's going to be some events planned in the new year, like to kick off the season. So, uh, stand by uh, for details on those when the uh, when the club releases them. Okay, John, what have you got for us this week as we head into our- I think it was fitting with the uh, weather being the way it is, but a bit of Chase the Sun, the anthem of World Darts. So anyone that's seen the uh, World Darts <laughs> tour, the crowd, as you can hear them in that sample there, are quite vocal and get right into it, and it's uh, actually a bit of a, a catchy beat. World Darts, did you say? Yeah, it's, it's a whole thing. Um, I, I had no idea. I, I would have got it as far as guessing it's clearly a British crowd based on that chant. Um but no, never would have never never, would never heard of the wizard Simon Whitlock, uh, Aussie <laughs> Aussie darts player. It was pretty good back in the day. Um, but yeah, can you can you bet on it? Oh yeah, you can you can bet on it. Have you never heard the the commentator going one hundred and eighty when they hit the three triple twenties? Uh, uh, look, I, I admit I've I've watched a tiny little bit of darts, but mate, you never struck me as the. Um, Darts enthusiast. It, it is. I'm not an enthusiast, but it is cracking background TV when there's nothing on. You know, there's, <laughs> a, there's an absolute drought in terms of like you know the the pay TV coverage. You just throw on the uh, the channel that the darts are on, and you'll get completely over the top. You know they're, they're throwing darts, but it's like completely what? over the top. What and, channel and, is the darts on? I I think it's around five oh six. ESPN Ocho. Yeah, well, you'd think it'd be Ocho type stuff, but I think it's like five oh six. That might be racing. Um, but I'd have to have a look at the, uh, the, the channel guide, but it's because uh, 509 is ESPN, 506 I think is racing, so maybe it's like 505 or something like that. I don't know when it's on consistently, but you know I've, I've seen enough of it in the background to appreciate it, and, and the uh, Chase the Sun is a very catchy beat. And so for the uh, dart, uh, dart watchers out there, maybe jump in the comments and, um, and correct us, which is on, because I will happily get on and do some research on this. I'm gonna I'm gonna tip something just from watching it once or twice that the drinks break is a big feature. I don't think there's a drinks <laughs> break so much as there's a break from drinking, rather, you know. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. right. The, the, the dance is the break from drinking. Yes, indeed. It's the old uh, I, I, I went to a, um, a, a fight and a hockey game broke out. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> same sort of energy right there. <laughs> Okay, fellas. Well, let's get on with the NRL news now. The gift that keeps on giving. Our good mates at the West Tigers, John, 
I mean, what can you say? Well, maybe maybe it isn't the gift that keeps on giving anymore. Maybe this is the one final gift before Christmas. You know, the, the ultimate Christmas present to the rest of the code because they've finally moved them on. You know, well done to the, I think it was a thousand fan petition that uh, sparked the sort of audit of the board that led to them standing down in totality, or, uh, the totality of the board, sorry. Um, and yeah, so this is a new era. Uh, Lee Hadjipantelis, Justin Pascoe, the entire board, right? They're all gone. Well, Pascoe being the CEO, sorry. Uh, they're, they're all gone. And yeah, it was almost like a watershed day for both the Tigers and the Code because this marks the end of a comical era of mismanagement. And, you know, maybe they maybe they get it wrong still in the new appointments, but, you know, odds are they can't get much worse. So I suppose there's a, a glimmer of hope now for the West Tigers fans. Well, a couple of well-known leaders step in in Barry Unsworth and uh, Shane Richardson. Mm. So, I mean, you're talking about blokes that have got massive reputations in not just in rugby league, but in the business world and the political world as well. So there's there's a little bit at stake for them, even though they're in, um, you know, the just temporary roles at the moment. They're, they're, they're interim uh, CEO and uh, and board. Uh, what's it? What's the actual position for uh, Barry Unsworth? Is he like the um, uh, interim chairman for Barry? Unsworth. Interim chairman. Interim chairman. That's it. So interim chairman, interim CEO. Uh, obviously, making sure that the coach knows that he's got their full backing straight away. That was important. Um, but they're going to operate on a uh, trimmed down version of a board for the time being. And uh, what's been the feel, fellas, for the reaction from the fans? Clint, have you noticed anything in particular? I have noticed a trend of um, some Eels fans getting a little bit concerned of, you know, if they're getting their act together, then they, they're um, uh, become greater competition to us. But, um, Boys, you can't sugarcoat what's happened at the Tigers over the better part of the last decade. And it's not going to be fixed by a couple of magical silver bullet appointments. You know, you think of everything we went through with our challenges and, um, you know, we actually had to have a state-appointed administrator and we had to go through a review and and, and, and all those reforms through um, that had to be voted in. You know, if, if, if the Constitution isn't going to allow for them to have better quality people um, continue to come into those roles in the long term, they're just going to eventually end back up the same spot. So, you know, I'm not too, uh, uh, admittedly, I'm not across the, the, the Tigers constitution, but, you know, in an emerged entity like the West Tigers, you've got Balmain on one side and um, the Western suburbs on the other who have um, not seen eye to eye for quite some time. So they're definitely going to need to break some bread in order for this to be something sustainable as opposed to just a, a shooting star moment. Yeah, well, one of the, I think one of the first things that um, uh, Max did when he he was appointed as the administrator of the Parramatta Leagues Club was, at, as the Leagues Club were the owners of the Parramatta National Rugby League team, um, he appointed a, an independent board that um, that oversaw that what was happening there at the Eels. And then, of course, we had the change in constitution, which allowed for uh, a whole lot of changes 
as far as the Parramatta Leagues Club were concerned. And as as we've just noted, that that was important for the long term for the Eels because of the fact that the Parramatta Leagues Club are the owners of the franchise for the Parramatta Eels. So uh, it is more complicated, as you noted, Clint, with the West Tigers being hmm. a uh, joint venture. So where it goes from... away from it. Take nothing away from what's happened. You know, th- 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 there's some good good decisions that have happened out there, and there's some um, strong people coming in. Whether they've got the the guts, the guile, or the means, and the ability to um, uh, influence and leverage um, uh, their their business um, know how and and um, and stakeholders in and around the club to be seen. Um, but you know, you probably can't get too many better, um, well credentialed people for for the tiger stake to come in, but. You know, um, looking, you know, and, and you know, we've we've had a, we've had a couple of jokes at his expense across the years, and that's because he's he's given us the fuel to do so. But um, wasn't it a, an a, an old fashioned Jane Lynch job on our mate uh, Lee Hadjikantawas? You know, um, whether whether it, it was right or wrong, and you know, we we probably sit in the camp where you know we we, we believe for the um, West Tigers fans' sake it was his time, um, but you know, um, it, it was it was absolutely. Um, he was absolutely teamed up on on this one. Yeah, and not happy. <laughs> not happy. No, there, there, there's and some then, bitterness. There's a little bit of bitterness out there. Um, but... Yeah, it, which becomes interesting from a sponsorship perspective. Mm. Oh yeah, that's that's uh, the uh, the law firm stuff gone 100. percent So yeah. the, that, that well, worked. you also got to ask the question there as well. You know, was he was he really looking out for the Tigers' best interests in that case? If he's someone who is a Tigers man, he can have his own personal grievance and disappointment without um, throwing the baby out with the bathwater as well. You know, if you if 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 you really are club first, we you know you you shouldn't be pulling it for those reasons. I'm sure we'll get a justification when it does eventually happen. That's no, it's not for that. It's for other reasons. You know, we've had to reassess our business and. Um, uh, redistribute funds, and we decided to commit to only doing the New South Wales Blues or or, or something like that. But um, if you, if you really are club first, then you know it, it's a good opportunity for him to to sh- to show that there isn't um, personal bitterness there. That, well, I think that we, that we know he is, <laughs> Clint. I think we've seen enough of club politics in the past to know that you know a, a person can be. Um, on the surface that they want to put the club first, but you know, there's, there's been many, well, there's been a number of instances in the past where it, there's things that are done that aren't always in the best interest. Of, no. Which, um, which you know, if that happens as well, 60s, does it not justify the decision that took place yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. So look, if that is the case, and I mean, the probably one of the worst things that can happen, and this is what we hated seeing with Parramatta was, Every time there was an election, it was all of the infighting and what have you would be all over the media. All of the campaign mm. would be all over the media. The the comments about you know other people that are you know were um, competing were, were standing for election. It'd be all in the media. You know, it just wouldn't be nice stuff. So it'll be interesting to see whether there's any sort of um, reaction uh, from those that have been mm. out, um, or whether they whether the club uh, marches forward 
without having to look in the rearview mirror in this instance. So anyway, we uh, we move on because the Tigers still have some other areas that they're featuring in for the news this week. John, they've made a signing in terms of a rugby union convert by the name of Solomon Alamelo. Uh, they've evidently missed out on a couple of big signings, however. Yeah, so Alan Milo comes across from Rugby Union, bit of a speedster looking at his uh, highlights. And you know what? The uh, To their credit, the Tigers have had a bit of luck, whether it's luck or, or you know good good scouting, if you want to say it, uh, in the outside backs in recent years uh, with the fullback in the winger there, uh, Junior Tupo, and uh, I always forget the fullback's name. Um, Jerome Buller. Jerome Buller, there you go. So maybe he can be uh, you know, for, uh, the third sort of cog there in the back line, but... As good news as that is for them, the bad news is is that they're pulling it. I, I say bad news. They are pulling their offer for Adam Fenua Blake, apparently, uh, in the wake of the uh, St. George Laura Dragons offering what must be said as a mammoth, mammoth deal for the prop that we'll talk about shortly. And that leaves them uh, still chasing Jerome Luai. Uh, but unfortunately there, it looks like the Bulldogs have now slipped into the box seat if the media reports are to be believed. Okay, well, let's... Let's then talk about, I mean, do we really need, we've spoken about this plenty of times in the past, uh, the, the dogs seem to be able to secure players um, with, um, I mean, it's, it seems like they're, they're referenced with everyone that's on the market and someone like Jerome Luai is not going to come cheap. Uh, I, I guess we're talking at least a million a year. With that signing, um, somehow well, they fit them in. They the, just keep fitting them in. The Tigers were at one point one, right, with their their last offer for Jer- uh, Jerome Jerome uh, Luai there. So one point one per for four years. Uh, so you'd imagine the Dogs would have to at least be in the ballpark. So they would put him at the seven figure threshold there. And the last report we had, Quint wasn't uh, was that the Dogs had upped their offer to a five year uh, duration. Yeah. So that's a that's a significant investment right there. Yeah, absolutely. In uh, a player who his own coach says hasn't really, although he's a premiership winner, hasn't <laughs> really shown that he can uh, guide a team around the paddock. So manage a game. Legendary, legendary quote right there. That yeah. is. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know it's a bit of. Uh, you could argue it's sort of no, game, no, game, gamesmanship when it comes to yeah, retention, but jeez. Yeah. He's only a 500k player. Let him be our problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, now uh, you you mentioned the St George Dragons. A uh, couple of things to talk about with them. First of all, they've picked up Corey Allen from the Roosters, and you also then said that they're now favoured to get Adam Adam Fanua Blake. What sort of money are we talking about, mate? I think the numbers I saw bandied about by the Sydney Morning Herald were $5 million over four years. Uh, I, I could be mistaken there, but I'm pretty certain that's what I saw yesterday. That is insane money. We're, we're talking mm-hmm. about a bloke that's turning 29 next year, so he's in his prime. But And, and you, you can certainly make a case that he's a, a top three, top five prop in the NRL, but... That that puts him among the very best players, the very best playmakers, yeah. uh, in the in the game in the he, code. He needs to sign that contract before. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. If if you're his manager, 
Uh, unless he is the the big thing for him is to win a ring to get that premiership. If he wants to talk, talk about securing his you know financial future, uh, he would be insane not to have inked that paper yesterday. Yeah. Because uh, the second the season starts, he becomes a depreciating asset. That, that's right. The, the risk of injury, uh, you know, any sort of thing like that, bad form, all that sort of stuff can contribute. Most, most probably though, the injury. Uh, so yes, he, he would be silly not to have that. If if that is his prerogative for prioritizing financial gain the most, then yes. And yeah, just well off. with his with his resume, this is once in a career money, and it's. And it's the sort of money, when I say once in a career, well, I, I, you could probably say that's there's more than half or three quarters of the NRL would like to have a moment, a once in a career moment like that. As you said, he's he's right up there with the, the um, contract earners, the highest contract earners of the playmakers. Mm. How how often that's, do you see yeah, that's, that's, a prop that's, getting that sort of money? That's more Mitch Moses money, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Are props, are props worth that much? Clearly, to the Dragons. I mean, we, we we have seen a trend of dynamic middle forwards getting to that seven figure bracket. Jason Tamalolo and I believe Payne Haas, uh, if he has or if not, when he negotiates his next contract, uh, will be you know right in that same bracket, but. I don't know if it's anywhere near a successful formula. Um, and you know, Well, do you well, think... Can I just ask? Let me just jump in here and ask and then get the opinion of the two of you. Do you think the Cowboys have had value for money for that money for Jason oh, no. Tomalolo? God, no. 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 He, and and Tomalolo was better this year, but he'd seen a significant dip in his form across the last couple of years as well. And it, that, that was just the reality of a, a guy that his play style was... It, it wears the body down. And as dynamic mm. as Tamalolo is, and, and he is arguably the biggest athletic freak in the NRL, and I know Payne Haas is up there too, but Tamalolo was more dynamic than Payne Haas in terms of his, uh, at least in attack, his lateral explosiveness. Uh, that that sort of stuff wears you down with the workload that you take in rugby league. You don't get to be an offensive-only player in our mm. code. So, yeah, investing in the sort of And the rules have also shifted. Yeah. And, and that's, contract and mm, away from a... Uh, yeah. uh, a style that's great, suited great his playing style. Great point. And they're, they're the things you can't really factor in when you're making mm. these negotiations, which is why you need to be somewhat reticent to you know leveraging those sort of funds towards a middle forward. And look, the Parramatta Reels have invested heavily in their middles. You know, Junior Barlow, Reagan Campbell-Gillard, Ryan Madison, uh, but nowhere near the extent, you know, even, you know, the two $300,000 or, or a bit more, honestly, that you're talking about on a per-contract basis there, it, that adds up very quickly. And that, mm. that is the difference between Adam Fenua Blake and Reagan Campbell Gillard or Junior Barlow. So, yeah, fantastic player. I cannot fathom as a as a manager of football operations offering that kind of contract. And that that's again the predicament of a struggling club. Yeah, exactly right. It's a desperate play. Dam- damned if you club. do, damned if you don't. And mm. un- unfortunately, a lot of the time, fan bases and and you know administrative bodies don't have the patience to facilitate. And I know it's a meme, but the, the five-year plan, the five-year you know rebuild that oftentimes you need in order to correctly rebuild a club through juniors and astute recruitment, rather than you know making splashy signings and desperately trying to claw your way back into the top eight. Yeah. So, um, Clint, what do you think Adam Fanua Blake is realistically worth? If you're a if you're a CEO or a head of football, whoever's doing the negotiations. 
what sort of money do you think is well, it ultimately depends on who, who I'm the CEO slash football manager of and, and what our needs are because that will influence the value that I make. But let, let, let's say for this hypothetical, all players are off contract um, and I can pick anyone into my top 30 from the um, uh, 600 plus odd NRL players that there, there are available um, currently. And, um, and my first prop that I'm going to pick is Adam, Adam Fanua Blake who I would have picked after I've secured my spine, if I'm going for, I, I'm, I'm securing three members of my spine um, before I go for a prop forward. Um, I would probably at most offer someone like him $800,000 a year. Um, to be honest, I'm, I, I lean more towards the, 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 the 750 for him. Um, great, great, great player, had a great season. Um, but you know, he's not someone that's dominated consistently for three, four years. Then I start talking about nine, uh, um, eight fifty, nine hundred, maybe even a million dollars for a prop. When you've got someone who's dominated consistently for a number of seasons, that's when I start entertaining that. But you know, um, in this hypothetical, I'm also not in the predicament of the dragons where I, I, I need to get a man, my man and, and, um, and have at least a moral victory off the field to to keep our fans interested and to, um, you know, try and bring some energy into the club. So, you know, you, you're always going to have to pay a tax for that, as, as John was alluding to in his response. So, you know, uh, difficult question to answer, but all things equal, I think he's probably worth about $750 um, out there. John, what, what would he be on if you were in charge of a, of a club's recruitment? What would you place him at? And... And secondly, do you think there's a risk factor in recruiting him, given that his last two clubs he's basically mm-hmm. looked to get out of ahead of time? Yeah, that, that, that is an important part of the negotiation process or the scouting process. And just to clarify, it was 4.5 over 4, so not, not 5. It's half okay. a million dollars difference there, 1.125, not 125. Um, yeah, look, I, I think investing into your middle rotation is important. I think much like with the NFL, where you have your quarterback, and that's analogous to obviously the spine in rugby league as a collective, your uh, one, your six, your seven, and, and there is a significant drop-off to number nine. If you look at the, the pay rate for hookers in the NRL, it's actually shockingly low outside of the elite two or three. Uh, so you, you talk about investing in your spine, and then you invest in the trenches. And the trenches in, in the NRL, that's your middles, um, mm-hmm. and, and your dummy half, obviously. So I think that you can make a plausible case to invest good money there, but just not 1.125. Like mm-hmm. the, the difference between 1125 and what you said, Quinn, at 800, which I think, again, is probably about the sweet spot for, a, for an elite middle forward there. Um, and obviously that's where the Eels were roughly evaluated. their two uh, prime middles in, in junior and reg. Um, yeah, that, you're talking about, you know, immediately without, you know, uh, too much calculation, 300K, right? 300K for one signing. That is two, mm. you know, base level players, close to three base level yep. players, uh, or yeah, one so really, yeah, exactly now. one one solid, really solid contributor to your top thirty. Um, they're, they're the differences in roster construction that, uh, obviously, you know, at the very top end for winning a premiership set your part, but just being consistently competitive, uh, yeah. will will absolutely mire you down when you you sort of. They're actually incredibly crucial swings and roundabouts those decisions, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and, and so that's why I'm with you. Fantastic player. Um, you know, if Eels didn't have the, the forwards they had, you know, you'd love to see him at the club. 
Um, but he's obviously surplus to, to needs of us with uh, both, as I mentioned before, Barlow, Campbell Gillard and the rise of uh, Wittery McGregor alongside some young guys that we're hoping can, you know, kick down the door in the coming years like Sam Tuovati. Uh But, yeah, I, I, I could not, as a GM of football or whatever equivalent role at any given club, uh, in good conscience go uh, above 900 if you're truly desperate. Mm. Uh, unless you have very good third parties. It's almost mismanagement and, and, and not um, not adhering to your fiduciary responsibility to the club, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. when when you talk about every signing, you sort of evaluate on how much does it move the needle for you to be competitive for a premiership for making the top eight on those different mm. scales. And I think Fenor Blake raises the floor for the Dragons, and that is important. But I don't think he moves the needle at the high end for them when it comes to being a contender. So yeah, yeah. I think I tend to agree there. Um, now, just wrapping up the player market, Ezra Mam is now tipped to stay in Brisbane. I'll just add my two bobs worth. I think from for him personally and how early it is in his career, that that may well be a very good decision. Yeah, great. That, that, that is a win-win on both sides there. Uh, he's getting projected to be uh, $3 million over four years, so seven fifty. K per season. That's I mean, obviously, incredible money for a young man, uh, and you know he he's got representative upside. Absolutely, we saw him. I mean, he was the Clive Churchill medalist until the last twenty minutes of that grand final. Um, he had an, an absolutely outstanding, or at least an attacking, absolutely outstanding game in that grand final. Uh, he is very dynamic, a very strong ball running halfback that doesn't mind uh, being niggly and getting up in the uh, up in the grill on defense. You know, he sort of found a niche defensively to be. A bit of a, you know, not not necessarily instigator, but unsettler. Um, so he's yeah, been, an he's, agitator. Yeah, exactly. And he's been great for the Broncos. Some incredible flick passes last year. So a prodigious talent, uh, staying in a in a team that looks to be on the rise. I mean, I I know the Broncos have lost a couple of key players this year: Tom Flegler, Herbie Farnworth, uh, Kurt Capewell going to the Warriors. Uh, but they're still going to be a very good team, and and he's going to be at the heart of it. So good move on both sides there. Yep. Okay, and finally, a couple of court cases involving rugby league identities have been wrapped up this week, John. Yeah, well, uh, we start with uh, the Hammer Boys, uh, the the Amone family, um, who have been... We, we spoke about them last week very briefly, 60s, but we finally got some clarity on the decision there. Uh, Junior Amone, the young halfback or 5'8 for the Dragons, he escaped the prison sentence, but his father wasn't so lucky. He'll spend two years... Uh, in prison or with at least a minimum 12 months to be served, while Junior himself got a two-year good behaviour bond or the equivalent with 300 hours of community service. So uh, he needs to be on his best behaviour for the next couple of uh, couple of years there. And on the other side, uh, off the playing field, well, we go to Paul Kent, who uh, has been in the media for, well, obviously he's a media figure, but was in the press for the wrong reasons for quite some time in regards to a domestic violence allegation. He's actually been found not guilty. So now it's going to be very interesting to see what plays out from here because uh, I I don't know if there was any you know slander or libel in, in some of the sort of rival uh, press companies' coverage, uh, but I know the Sydney Morning Herald mm. sailed very close to the wind on a couple of their articles, um, whether he ends up pursuing anything there and whether he can reclaim his spot on Fox Sports and NRL 360 in particular. So I, I don't know. Uh, he's been found not guilty. The is he now going to be a, a victim? Of, of the allegation despite we found not guilty or does he get his job back? be very interesting to see whether he steps back into uh, the media in some capacity there. And I believe 
the judge instructed his barrister that he didn't even need to hear his closing statements. Which I suppose he, tell, tells you the strength, or well, on one hmm. side, the relative strength on the other side, the relative uh, non-strength for the cases. Uh, yeah, so there, there is a lot more to happen here. This is definitely a watch this space hmm. sort of deal. Um, and I know, look, look poor, poor Kent is a very polarizing. I wouldn't even say polarizing. He's not a very popular individual. Uh, he's always had you know very brash and brazen uh, opinions on 360, coupled with uh, the stuff that happened on Triple M, uh, where you know he, he ended up, I, I suppose, bullying a colleague off the air, or supposedly allegedly bu- allegedly alleged. bullying a colleague off the air. Uh, but you know he's he's been found not guilty of a pretty serious allegation that has completely derailed his career and. Whether you like him or not, that's a pretty shitty thing. So be very interesting to see what happens from here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, boys, I think that just about wraps things up. How have we come in time-wise? We are, well, it's uh, 49 minutes. So this is a very brisk podcast. Wow. You know, this this won't be good for any of those Spotify stats of how many minutes people <laughs> listen to. You can't pump if up those minutes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just have to well, look, put them on loop. Right. You mentioned at the start of the show that uh, you're probably going to be taking your young nephew, is it, John? Yeah, young nephew's coming up in the new year. Uh, My sister's at the in-laws for Christmas, so up in the new year, and we'll be uh, playing some golf, so I have to take him out to Big Swing Golf North Mead and maybe pick up a a Chrissy present for him. Yes, well, Big Swing Golf, it's it's, um, located uh, right next to Drummond Golf there at North Mead. They're part of the group. And, uh, you know, it, it's there's all sorts of simulated sports that you can play down there at Big Swing Golf North Mead. So over the Christmas holidays, maybe uh, get a group of your mates together, uh, enjoy a bit of party time down there. And, uh, yeah, great venue. They're great sponsors of uh, the Cumberland Throw. And uh, both uh, Big Swing Golf North Mead and Star Partners Real Estate, Auburn, Norellan and Parramatta, as we say every week, we wouldn't be able to get the podcast done. We wouldn't be able to do a lot of the things that we do on the Cumberland Throw without our great partners, our great sponsors. So if you get the opportunity, do support the people that supports the that support the Cumberland Throw. And uh, fellas, thank you for another fine podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. We know there's lots of you there. We appreciate the feedback that you send through, um, for whether it be the message that messages that you send through or the occasional replies that we have to our podcast posts. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we we're out here doing these podcasts to try and get this, uh, the latest on the Eels and the NRL out to you. So uh, again, thank you. And as I always say, everyone go, you mighty Eels.